Welcome back to Sleepless in Mobile. I'm your host, Elizabeth. And I'm your host, Justin. This episode is going to be a little bit different from the last one that we had. This one's going to be a little deep dive into our daughter Emery's diagnosis. Um, she is a year and a half old now, but she was diagnosed in utero. For anyone wondering, our daughter was born with a giant umphalocele. And I know most people do not know what that is, but if there's anybody out there that may be pregnant or has a child that has a giant umphalocele or an umphalocele in general, even gastroschisis, any kind of abdominal defect, this is for you. Because whenever I was, or we, were going through pregnancy and NICU stay and all that, there was really no material out there that was beneficial to us. Um, there was a Facebook page that was... It was very supportive, but there was still nothing that I could really watch and interact with or hear additional information from that was of any comfort to me. This is basically for those people and for people that's just curious because I know myself, if like I saw somebody with a child that was different, I'd be, you know, kind of curious, curious, but also not wanting to ask questions, you know. Because you don't know how they would react to it. But myself, personally, I love it when people ask me questions. Either way, this episode is going to be about Emery's and Phyllisil. So anybody curious, too afraid to ask, or it's just like, just doesn't know in general, just listening to this for the first time, this is for you. And we're going to run through, you know, from start to finish. Beginning to end with her, how it all got yeah. started, and where she is now. Yeah. So it's going to be a, an interesting one. We can keep Mama from crying over here. So me and Justin got married in November of 2018. And, I mean, we didn't really prevent anything whenever we first got married anyways. We just figured, you like, when it happened, it would happen. But it never happened. So that got me curious, like, is something wrong? And from there, we kind of wanted to start getting more serious about getting pregnant and that kind of thing. So I went to my OBGYN, and she prescribed me Clomid or Clomiphene, and it's supposed to make you ovulate. Well, she put me on like a, I don't even know what dosage that it was, but she put me on that for like two or three months, and I never didn't get pregnant. And then she increased my dosage. And I still didn't get pregnant. Then she put me on um, metformin because she said since I have like PCOS or whatever that it can kind of be like diabetes of the ovary. Even though I don't have diabetes, sometimes it can be referred to that. And I never heard of that before, but I tried that in combination with the clomiphene. Didn't work. So then she said, well, it could be your thyroid. You could have a thyroid issue. So she sent me to a thyroid specialist turned out that I was hypothyroid so they had to get my thyroid under control and I think once that got under control is whenever I really did get pregnant so hold on <clears throat> so the OBGYN thought you had hyperthyroidism but when you went to the thyroid doctor you had hypo no so okay yeah 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 you're right I'm sorry yeah don't confuse <laughs> me anymore and I'm already confused here no so my OBGYN tested my thyroid and it came back hyperthyroid, 
which means that it's an overdrive and I'm constantly like burning calories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Don't come after me in medical field because I could be wrong about that. <laughs> but <laughs> it's your metabolism. Your metabolism has a lot to do. It, it burns at a higher yeah, rate. Yeah, it has a lot to do with that. Well, she sent me to a thyroid specialist. And the thyroid specialist tested my thyroid. And it came back hypothyroid, which means that it is underactive. So it's harder to lose weight because it's easier to gain weight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. I'm following you. And she diagnosed me with thyroiditis because of the first time that they tested me, it was hyperthyroid. So my body is naturally like, or it's typically hypothyroid, but every once in a while it'll be a spike and it'll turn into hyperthyroid. And me and my coworker, we used to like joke whenever I was cleaning a lot around there that it was hyperthyroid kicking in. I got that under control. So we made the appointment with the fertility specialist and we met with her and she was asking me all about my thyroid and like what medicine I was on, what levels it was at. And by that point, I had only been on thyroid medicine for maybe a month. So I had no, maybe, maybe two months or so, but I had no idea like what my levels were. And she was like zeroing in on us. And I think the only comfort that I had was the fact that I was behind that mask because it was like COVID time, you know? Yeah, it was during the height. Yeah, and I was just like, man, I have no idea. I'm so embarrassed right now because I don't know any of the answers to the questions that she's asking me. But she was a great doctor, though. From there, she scheduled my appointment to come back after my monthly cycle. And she scheduled Justin to come in and to do his deposit. Well, they drew my blood to, like, do an initial analysis of my health. And they were going to call me back and come in, you know, whenever I needed to. That afternoon, we went to Wenzel's. In downtown Mobile, ate down there. We had a great day. That was the day that we saw the homeless lady. <laughs> I don't think she was homeless. I just think she was crazy. I don't know. She was. She called herself crazy. crazy. Yeah. Well, no. She said, "I'm not cuckoo. I'm cookie." C o o k i e. I have a video of that. I'll insert the clip right here. It's it's worth the viewing. <laughs> They called me back that afternoon after me and Justin got back home and <laughs> Justin was outside. I remember seeing him outside the window at his truck messing with all of his tackle like he would do. On most of my off days, that's what I done is play with my fishing tackle. And I was inside cleaning and I got a phone call from the doctor's office and she said, Miss Simpson, we got your blood work back. And it looks like there is a slight positive on your pregnancy test. Like, what does that even mean? Like, what does that mean? I just left the fertility doctor. How is there a slight positive on a pregnancy test? I shouldn't even be pregnant right now. Like, what are you talking about? So I asked her, I said, what does that mean? 
she was like, um, that means that you might be pregnant. I'm sure in the back of that lady's <laughs> mind, she was like, these people don't need a child to know you might be pregnant means. It just came out of shock. I didn't understand what she was talking about. I mean, it just, it did not register. I can imagine it threw you into a state of delirium. Like, it really did. Like, I didn't know what to do. I started shaking and, like, got super, super teary-eyed. I did not understand how I might be pregnant whenever they had blood work. But it's because they caught it so early. I was, like, four to five weeks pregnant. So I called my cousin. I knew, you know, she knew our entire struggle and stuff like that. So I called her, and I was like, look, they told me that I might be pregnant. And she was just, like, over the moon for us. And... <laughs> I was freaking out, though, because I didn't want to tell Justin whether, because I might not be pregnant. I didn't want to have to tell him with a clause, like, hey, you might be pregnant, but, or we might be pregnant, but. So, I ran out the back door, because I saw <laughs> Justin coming in the front door. He did in the chicken coop. And I hid in the chicken coop, and I was on the phone with her, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I do not understand. I don't, I don't know what to do. And she was just like, well, just congratulations. And I was just like, ah, I don't know if congratulations are in order. <laughs> so I left and I went to the pharmacist because they had called in some medication for me to take just to make sure that it was a viable pregnancy, you know, that it had everything that it really needed. And uh, from there, this was a Friday, so I had to go to work Saturday. And I remember we had a loaded tea company right beside ours. And we would always go over there and get loaded teas and, you know, drink them or whatever. We had a yard sale that day in front of the store. And my coworker, me and her, would constantly, like, be drinking these loaded teas. And she went over there and got some for us. And she, <laughs> she gave me mine, and I didn't want to drink it because they're loaded with caffeine. And I was just like, man, I really don't want to drink this. If I'm pregnant, I don't know if I am, but if I am, like, I don't want to have this. So I tried to give it to one of my other coworkers, and she was like, no, baby, you you have this drink, baby. No, this is expensive drink. No, you, baby, you have it. And I was like, please, please take this drink. I was trying to be like, you know, like really quiet, like just, just take it. Just, just take this drink. She was like, no, you don't want that drink. You don't want that drink. And I was just like, oh, my God. Shut up, lady. Take the drink. I know, take the like, drink. God, just take the drink. <laughs> and she would not. And then my coworker overheard her, and she was like, and she's very smart. I know she might be listening right now, but she was like, Liz, why don't you want the drink? Because she knew, you know, the day before I went to the fertility clinic. And she was like, Liz, why don't you want the drink? And I was like, Jamie. <laughs> I was just like, I mean, I could say her name. I don't think it would matter. And she was like, Liz, why don't you want the drink? And I was like, I just don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> and she just looked at me all like sly. And she was like. Liz, why don't you want the loaded tea? <laughs> and I started smiling. Cause I I cannot hold water at all. And I was just like, no reason. I just don't want the drink. <laughs> and she was like, you're pregnant. And I was like, I am not. Hush your mouth. Hush your mouth. <laughs> she was like, yes, you are. And I was like, well, Justin doesn't know, so don't say anything. <laughs> And uh, she was like, oh, my word, congratulations. And I was like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And that whole day, I didn't do anything. I was afraid if I did anything that I would, like, miscarry somehow. And so I remember just, like, milking that day completely. I didn't earn a dollar that day. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. Sorry, Bruce. Like, I didn't earn anything that day.
ended up telling Justin that Saturday night that we were pregnant, possibly. And the next Monday, it was confirmed. And we were ecstatic. <laughs> and it was a normal pregnancy up until we went for our fertility appointment. Oh, God. <laughs> Not our fertility yeah. appointment. It was a normal pregnancy all the way up until we went in to get our gender put into an envelope for our gender reveal party. And I was trying to convince Justin. I was like, Justin, they don't have to know. Like we can we can figure out the gender right now, and we can act surprised. Well, I have a hard time acting surprised <laughs> anyway, whether I'm surprised or not. I don't, yeah, I, whenever I told him that I, I was pregnant well. or could be pregnant, he just... It was the most mediocre reaction. Like That was me excited. I mean, though. he would be more excited if I would have gave him a lure. <laughs> like, but, but I knew he was excited, but he's just not one to just jump up and down, unlike his mother, <laughs> who was ecstatic. <laughs> but anyway, we were at the appointment for finding out the gender. And we had been to a couple appointments by now because we had already been to her initially to like confirm the pregnancy we'd been to the fertility doctor doing a like couple ultrasounds over there so well, you forgot one step you're going you're going a little further you forgot about where they thought it was in the fallopian tube oh that's true because they caught it so early at the fertility doctor she was concerned that it could be a fallopian tube pregnancy which is why the hormone levels were so low they told us that if it was in the fallopian tube that they would have to dissolve the pregnancy because it would end up harming my health and the baby wouldn't be viable anyway. That was a scare. We had to go in, do a vaginal ultrasound. Turned out it was a viable pregnancy. So that was like hurdle number two. <laughs> hurdle number two or hurdle number one? That was hurdle number two because the first one was fertility. And now we're at hurdle number three at our actual OBGYN. So we're in there for the gender ultrasound. And every time we had been to our doctor we had met with her after the appointment i noticed like the ultrasound tech was like super chipper at first like you know do y'all want to know it now like i can tell y'all now or i can just like wink once or wink twice you know kind of thing and then she just got kind of solemn and didn't say anything anymore and me and justin were still like laughing and you know and having a little good time in there but she was different i could tell she, she went was to Clicking a lot, yeah, taking a lot of taking snaps. taking a lot of pictures, zooming in a lot, and it was just different is all I can describe it as. You could tell, the, you could definitely tell the vibe change in the room whenever she noticed it. She asked us, she said, do y'all have time after your appointment to meet with the doctor? And I was like, oh, that's odd. We always meet with the doctor. And I was like, sure. She said, because there's just some things on your ultrasound that I would like her to take a look at and discuss with you. And I was like, mm. That's not good. That's what every pregnant woman wants to hear. Especially after the struggle we've been going through. She had us sit out in the lobby, and Justin was trying to comfort me, bless his heart. I mean, not that I was, like, upset, upset, but... And I'm the worst at comforting people. Like, I don't do that great of a job consoling. Well, me too, but I'm very analytical, so I was dissecting every part of that appointment already. I was like, something's wrong with the baby. He's like, nothing's wrong with the baby. I'm like, something's wrong with the baby. I said, because they don't just say something like that and nothing be wrong with the baby. But I remember you were like, oh, well, it could be just because the baby was turned. 
And I was like, mm, no. <laughs> She's 14 weeks. Or it was 14 weeks by that point. We didn't know the gender. And I was like, mm-mm. Baby's turning all the time. It's not because it's turned the wrong way. And we met with the doctor. Well, they pulled us back to the back room first. And we sat back there for a little while. And I remember the doctor coming in and she had a clipboard. And it had all kinds of papers on it. But stapled to the papers was the picture of Emery's, unfollow- like Emery's ultrasound picture. And I was like, mm, she's already got it stapled onto some paperwork. This is not good. She sat down on the stool and she said, I have some bad news. And we were just like, great. And I'm just like sitting up here, peering over everybody. Because she's on one of those like little short stools. Just as on the sitting bench in, in the, corner. the corner. And I'm way up here on this papered table. And she says, so your child either has gastroschisis or... An unfollowsil. And I was like, I don't know what the heck that is. Either one. Yeah, me and Justin just looked at each other like, okay. <laughs> and she said, so what it is. And then she like pulled the paperwork over to us and was like showing us the different pictures. She said, it's an abdominal wall defect. It happens in utero. There's nothing that you did to cause this. There's no known cause for this. She said, it just happens. It's very rare, but it does happen. She said, you know, gastroschisis is basically where there's a hole in the abdominal wall to the side of the umbilical cord, where it didn't close up all the way whenever the baby was developing. But because there's a hole in the abdominal wall, some of the organs... Oh. No, some of the organs are just... They're under so much pressure within the abdominal wall that having that hole there is like an escape for them. And they'll squeeze out because there's so much pressure. And they'll just be floating in the amniotic fluid through that hole. So once they're born, they have to be in the NICU. And they put those organs into what they call a silo and have it hoisted over the baby and let gravity do its course. And the organs just naturally fall back into the abdominal wall. Or she has... An umphalocele, which is where there's not a hole in the abdominal wall. The abdominal wall is completely closed up. Nothing is exposed to the amniotic fluid. But what it is, is a hernia within the umbilical cord itself. And mind you, umphalocele is worst case scenario. She told us, she's like, gastroschisis is your best case scenario. That's what I think she has. Yeah, she was like... You know, of the two, she says, I don't think it's an umphalocele. An umphalocele will be way worse. (laughs) She said an umphalocele will be way worse. I don't think it's an umphalocele. I think it's gastroschisis. From that moment on, like, I didn't even hear anything else that she was saying. I just remember almost levitating off of the bench and just thinking about all the things that I would not be able to do with my baby. And that sounds really um, shallow. I wouldn't say shallow. I don't think in this scenario, though, that's a, a selfish type thought. You know, I get it. You're more worried about Emery's well-being and health at that time. I was, but at the same time, I was thinking about, I was selfishly thinking about all the things that I was going to be missing out on as a first-time mom or just an expecting mother in general. Yeah, and the reason why I say I wouldn't think it, it was a selfish thought is because I know that skin-to-skin has a lot of benefits and stuff for a baby. Yeah, so, it does. It's not necessarily a selfish thought, I don't think. It just, it was more heartbreaking than I anything. Mean, yeah. I was wanting to do a water birth, so in that case, it kind of was selfish. Yeah, that one, because she could have drowned. 
no but okay so i wanted to do a water birth i wanted this skin to skin i wanted to be able to nurse her like as soon as she came out like it was just a lot of things that i wanted to do that i just realized in that moment while she was talking to us that was not going to happen we weren't going to bring her home after like two to three days like she was going to be in the NICU for x amount of time she was going to have to have surgery like there could be issues come like that arise from her having this problem whichever one that it was and so it was just a lot at one time and all of a sudden I just felt like I was slammed back down onto the table and everything hit me at once and, and the I water just started, started like <laughs> sobbing and I I am a crier so I can't deny that I am a crier but that moment, there was nothing I could do to hold it back. I mean, nothing. And you're you're a crier that doesn't like to be consoled. So Ooh, that no. makes it really awkward <laughs> in a situation like that. As a husband, you don't know it what was, to do. You're like, I'm not going to. If I hug her, it's going to get worse. <laughs> so I, I just, it was, I'm going to stay on my bench in the corner. It was pretty rough because, I mean, I was just uncontrollably, like, sobbing. I mean, I wasn't, like, wailing or anything, but I was just, like, shoulders going everything man i mean i was going all in on it and i could not hold back and i remember she was just like handing me tissues and i remember she motioned to you like hey come hug your wife <laughs> i'm over like but it's it not was, a good idea yeah you probably was, shouldn't even be handing was, her tissues it's just making it worse man well i mean it did help because i was up there on that table and i felt just like <laughs> vulnerable yeah i just felt like everybody was just like staring at me it was i was awkward it was awkward it was a terrible situation but that car ride home was really solemn. Like, I was Googling everything about gastroschisis because that's what she thought it was. And, I mean, I joined Facebook groups all in that time. I mean, we lived 30 minutes away from the hospital. In that time, I didn't join Facebook <laughs> groups. I done read, like, 10 articles about it. And, I mean, I, I forget how many weeks that it was until our specialist appointment, but you weren't able two, to go. It was two or three weeks, I think. Yeah, you weren't able to go, so... I invited your dad to go because I knew he would, you know, it's his first grandchild. Yeah. He'd be excited to see ultrasound of her. So that specialist appointment, I went in there, guns blazing. I was like, yes, I got my PDF sheet of <laughs> every single question that I'm going to ask. I was rocking and rolling. I was ready to get all these answers. And then he was like, yep, this is an Amphalocele, a giant Amphalocele. I was like, well, if you can just There goes like, the question. <laughs> yeah. Papers flying through the air. That was basically what it felt like. Like, all the questions that I had were just no longer relevant. So that I had something else to uh, research and unjoin the Facebook group for gastroschisis. <laughs> Join the Amphalocele group, which was very beneficial to very. me. Um, it's called Moo, Mothers of Amphalocele. Fathers can get on there, too. Grandparents are on there. Actual people that have an Amphalocele were on there. It was a very beneficial group, mainly because... If you wanted to get on there and not say anything, like if you're just not in the headspace to, if you're not prepared, like you're just still in the whirlwind of discovering that you're going to have an Amphalocele baby, it's still beneficial to be on there because you don't have to interact. You can just be a ghost on there and see everything that everybody else is posting. Would you say that was the best source of information for this? Yes, definitely. Because it's more experienced hands people hands who've on been hands-on with it and dealt yep. with it. Plus, there's pictures and stuff on there of, you know, they post pictures of their babies and stuff on there. So you can kind of see what you're dealing with. Yeah, they do before and after pictures. They do, um, like, I mean, it's, if you think about it, it's just a bunch of parents on there that are sharing their journey and asking questions and stuff. So it's the most beneficial thing that I encountered during this experience. 
It wasn't as bad as it could have been. We had no. a we had a very blessed situation. She had an isolated infallacil, so she didn't have any chromosomal issues. She didn't have any other birth defects. She didn't, you know, just the infallacil. Easy, and so it's easy for us to say like every life is worth it. But I still believe we didn't know at the time that right. you know she wasn't gonna have other issues i mean it, it stayed a surprise pretty much since she was born yeah but once she was born we had her in 2022 january the third that was a whirlwind <laughs> we didn't even really get to see her because as soon as they performed the c-section i got a small glimpse yeah when they pulled her out i could see her and then couldn't really see anything because when they they put her on the little I don't know what they call the bed. It's like the little an incubator, bed. like yeah. Well, incubator is what you put chicken eggs in. They call it an incubator <laughs> too, though, in the hospital. We're gonna call it the little baby bed that they put baby newborns in. <laughs> incubator just okay. sounds like you're hatching chickens. But so they put her on that, but they couldn't really see anything because there was doctors or, or nurses and medical students from end to end, you know, blocking the view. Yeah. And then I remember once they got her all cleaned up as best they could without damage or anything they got ready to roll her out yeah. they stopped her for like i don't know a minute maybe yeah let us get a good look at her and then they shot her on off to the dq that was an interesting experience her in the nicu she was the most developed in the nicu because i think about it you know there's yeah. usually just premature babies in the nicu and here is a seven pound or she was five pounds she's five she? pounds 14 ounces i think yeah it was odd going into the pods the NICU pods and seeing all these premature babies they were the sweetest babies oh my gosh like i mean i it remember just, the one break, the one was heart. hooked up to like a seismograph machine that they monitor earthquakes with because it was having so many seizures i will never forget that that and for us to walk in there you know and ours just be had a trash bag around her stomach it was about the only oddball thing for a couple of days like day one, they told us that they were going to do the silo method, even though she had an infallacil. They wanted to see if they could pressure her abdomen to expand to be able to accept her organs. That sounds graphic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it is what it is. She still had her infallacil in a trash bag, basically. Yeah, like those little clear office garbage can trash yeah, bags one of those cheap ones yeah you know, that punctures super easy <laughs> that's what it was and her infallacil was still wet so it stuck to the bag so well, you could I mean, see straight through it it's almost like the bag wasn't even there to the infallacil was <clears throat> everything was isolated in that umbilical cord and that umbilical cord stretched like you had overfilled a water balloon and you could literally see her organs in there yeah pulsing it was mm -hmm. the weirdest thing. You could see the intestines. I mean, I know this is graphic to some people, but you could see her intestines. They were purple, and they were swiggly like <laughs> a brain. You know how, like, uh, just cartoon brains are, like, yeah. really swiggly? Her liver is pink. It was almost like those glass bottom boats, how you could just, like, see <laughs> into the ocean, and there's nothing impeding your eyesight. That's what it was like looking into her abdomen. Like, it was odd. So they told us they were going to do the silo and they were just waiting on materials to arrive well day one day two day three we're still waiting on these materials to arrive and finally they call us in our hospital room and they're like hey we're putting in the silo she should be done by 12 o'clock y'all can come and visit her y'all 
By Wednesday, me and Justin couldn't go in the NICU together because of COVID restrictions. So me and him had to go in there separately. I went in there first. When I tell y'all, I busted out laughing in this NICU. One of the saddest places on earth, and you busted out laughing. I could not hold it back, y'all. I mean, yeah, I just had to understand where we were coming from. We're waiting on this silo, this medical, surgical procedure that they're going to do on our daughter to make her abdomen spread. Like, if you're thinking of all these terms and, like, medical procedures, you're like, this thing is going to be insane. And we're at our university hospital. We're at our university hospital, too. So, you're expecting something like futuristic looking yeah Yeah. i'm like oh i can't wait to see this silo this is gonna be epic like i don't know what i was expecting honestly i just was not expecting what i saw (laughs) and what i saw whenever i walked in was a manila envelope wrapped around (laughs) it wasn't really a manila envelope but what looked like a manila envelope wrapped around her and phylosil with popsicle sticks at the top foam tape around the edges of the popsicle sticks rubber bands around those hoisted up and held onto the heat lamp above her by a stretched out paper clip <laughs> <laughs> cannot make this up i will insert a picture into the youtube film like mm-mm. it really looked like your aunt dolores is you know the little change purse they carried yeah, around they put really their cigarettes did. in you know yeah and the lighter that that's what it looked yeah yep. had the two little brass snaps yeah. that's exactly what it looked like it really and Dolores a cigarette pouch and so i couldn't help i'm thankful i am super thankful there were no parents in there at the time so it wasn't <laughs> like you know i'm over here laughing and their child is you know fighting for life over there but i just busted out laughing and i was like y'all if y'all needed me to go to office max and pick up the supplies i could have and the nurses died laughing they thought it was hilarious because I mean, I, I'm sure they thought the same thing. I could have ate a box of popsicles, you know. No, but I mean, it's a hospital. Got the popsicle what sticks. Doctor's office does not have popsicle sticks in a jar for the kids. Well, to they, go, call, ah. they call them tongue, uh, tongue suppressors. suppressors. Yes. What hospital? What they were waiting on was what I call the Manila envelope. It was the duoderm sheets, and it's supposed to create a healthy environment for skin to repair and grow. It's basically for like burn victims and such. But that's what they were waiting on. <laughs> but I just could not. I was like, y'all, rubber bands, popsicle sticks, paper clips. Like, what are y'all doing? Foam tape. <laughs> Didn't end up working. After two weeks, they decided mm-hmm. to swap. And week two, we were finally able to hold her for the first time because they were taking her off the silo. And that's when they got ready to swap to paint weight, right? Well, it's not paint and weight. So, on the Facebook group, it's kind of hard to explain because we didn't do it. Yeah. But paint and weight is where they actually take, I don't don't know what ointment that it is, but it's a particular cream that they paint the emphalocyl with, and then they wrap it in gauze, and then they wait. So, it's literally called paint and weight. And they just wait for the skin to form. Wait for the umbilical cord tissue to turn into skin. Well, what we did was duoderm sheets. So they continued with the duoderm sheets. They just didn't do it hoisted in the air. And they would put the duoderm sheets on there. Then they would wrap it in gauze to make sure that it wasn't going to peel off or anything. And then they would wrap that and her entire torso around her back and across her chest and everything with an ace bandage. And it looked like she had a football sticking out of her (laughs) stomach. It was (laughs) so so sad. sad. It was so sad. 
So her little, um, the only clothes that I could put on her were the snap pajamas, and I just wouldn't snap it in that big dome in over the midsection. her. Yeah, midsection. So they moved us to a private pod. They told us that was a good sign because that meant that we were probably going home soon. And I told the car seat safety nurse about the Jefferson car seat that I saw on the Facebook group. And it's meant for children with abdominal wall defects because it has like a void where the abdominal wall is. That way there's no pressure on it in case of accident or something like that. And I told her about it and she had never heard about it before. So I was like, yeah, they actually make a car seat specifically for these type of children. Like, you know, that way they won't have any kind of accidents happen. And she was like, well, that's great. I never heard of that before. And she said, well, we could try to get it through your insurance, but it'll probably take a couple weeks. And by this point, we had already been told that we might be going home, you know, pretty soon that we needed to get stuff in a row fast. And I was like, I don't want to wait on the insurance company. The Facebook group, the people that have had these car seats through the insurance company, instead of just trying to sell them or something like that, it's almost like a sisterhood of the traveling car seat. Whoever needs it, They'll just comment on there that they need one. Whoever has one will comment like, hey, I have one. Just pay the shipping for it. And they'll ship it to them free of charge. The only thing they charge them is the shipment cost. And $200, $300 versus, you know, 1000 to 1500 bucks for one is yeah. pretty reasonable. Yeah. And I'm sure you can probably get one cheaper than that, like secondhand from somebody. But the fact that we didn't even have to do that all we just had to pay was shipping was incredible so we ordered we got to turn around and you know yeah do the same thing for somebody else so we're just literally passing it on because it's still within date so you do like make sure that it's still a valid car seat and it's not expired but so we got ours from memphis we had it expedited like the next day that way we could hurry up and see if it would work for her But I'd also seen on the Facebook group where people had just been using their normal car seats. And I was, you know, like I said before, whenever I first found out that I was pregnant with her, I went ahead and bought, like, all the stuff. So I already had a car seat for her, a Nuna car seat. And I was excited to use it because, you know, my aesthetic, um, little leather accent here, black. A little bit on the bougie side. (laughs) I mean, a little bit. But if it wasn't going to harm her because the other parents had been getting the okay from their surgeons and their doctors... If it was going to be okay for her to use it, I mean, I wouldn't want to use it if it was going to harm her. But if it were okay to use, I would prefer to have that one versus this monstrosity of a medical car seat, the Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. Just look it up or I'll insert it into the YouTube. It's big and ugly, man. But, <laughs> oh, boy, it, it really ugly. is. But it's beneficial, so right. I'm not going to bash it too much. So I brought it up there. I brought it from the Ronald McDonald house that we were staying at, which was a blessing. I don't know if we touched Huge on that. Help. but. That was such a blessing. It was on site of the hospital that we were at. We basically moved into that sucker. (laughs) We moved in a mini fridge, which we were not supposed to have. It never said we couldn't have it, but I'm sure if we asked, they would have said no. (laughs) And Well, we tried to make it as comfortable as possible because we were under the assumption at the beginning that we were going to be there a while. Yeah, we were going to be there months, according to, like, the Facebook group. Like, these people stay in the ho- these babies stay in the hospital for months. And so whenever week four or week three or four came and they told us, you know, we were going to be being sent home soon, I was like, what? I was not expecting this at all. I had this car seat, and I was I brought it up from the Ronald McDonald house. I brought the Nuna up, and I asked the nurse, I was like, if there is any way that we can test her out in the Nuna car seat, I would prefer to use this one versus the Jefferson. And she looked at it, and she was like, no, that's not going to work. 
And I was like, I mean, you could at least give it a shot. Like the other parents that are on the Facebook group, like they use regular car seats as well. And she was like, no, that's not going to work. And I remember the other nurse that was with her was just like, I mean, we could try it out. And she was like, no, it's not going to work. She was very adamant about it. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I mean, that's fine. If it's not going to work, it's not going to work. She was the car seat lady. Yeah, she was the car seat safety lady. So, I mean, I took her word for it. Well, I took it back to the Ronald McDonald house. And whenever the Jefferson came in, I took it up there. That thing was so heavy. We took it up there. They put Emery in it, and it swallowed her. I mean, swallowed her. But she did pass the car seat test in it. You know, she had all of her vitals do great. But then the nurse, the safety lady, was like, can you bring the Nuna back up here and we'll test it out? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we can. Tried to tell you, Karen. <laughs> Well, she wasn't a Karen. She was just doing her job, but she was very adamant that it wouldn't work. But the other nurse that was in there once the safety lady left, she was like, I don't know why she just didn't test it the first time you brought it up here. And I was like, yeah, it's all right, though. We tested out the Nuna, and she was approved for the Nuna, so we didn't have to use the Jefferson. We posted that one on the Facebook group again, and somebody in Memphis needed it again. <laughs> so it was somebody completely different in Memphis that needed it, so we sent it back to them. And... We brought Emery home, and we were ecstatic. We had to do the procedure ourselves, like, you know, the dressing change. Yeah, we did a dressing change at the hospital before we left just to make sure that we were familiar and capable of doing it ourselves without, you know, being freaked out, I guess, or (laughs) just, like, calm under pressure. But we did fine. We came home, and it was great. And that's where we've been ever since. She's now fully healed on her cell. I mean, she still has the the bulge, but it's completely turned into skin. And we're going to meet with them this month on the 17th to discuss surgery dates to have a, a closure. They're going to treat it like a hernia surgery and repair her abdomen. And we are a little bit nervous. Nervous is an understatement. And, and for me, because I'm not I don't know that I'm ready to see her go back in that. I mean, I know she's, it's not going to be like several weeks like it was when she was yeah. in the NICU, but to see her go back under the knife, I don't know if I'm ready for that just yet. They can Definitely hold off not. another year. I'd be fine. I think like she's going <laughs> to school anyway. Yeah, so this is her first surgery. So she's never had any kind of surgery before. This would be her first surgery, and we are not prepared. <laughs> We're just not ready. <laughs> Because she's so, I mean, I want her to have it now. Don't get me wrong. I do want her to have it now because I don't want her to be able to remember going under the knife and the recovery or even having an unfollow at an older age. Not that there's anything wrong with that because there's parents on that Facebook group that have kids, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old that have an unfollow still. But I just don't want her to have to endure like scrutiny or just bullying like kids that are just being kids. I just don't want her to have to go through anything unnecessarily. And if it's safe to do now, because the doctor did, the surgeon did want to wait until she was two. He said, I don't like doing this procedure on kids younger than two. That has so. something to do with this, the size of the yeah, child, right? Right. I honestly think she's still going to be undersized for it. So that's one reason why I think it will get pushed off. And that's another trait, though, that these babies have is that they're on the thinner side. And it's no fault of our own. I'm eager to see what they have to say. Because you know me, I'm like a problem solver. I like, you know, fixing stuff. And to me, this is the ultimate, like, problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to hear what their solution is for it and to get it underway. I think it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be good for her to go ahead and knock it out now, like you said, so she doesn't remember having surgery. Yeah. I, 
I feel like at three years old, you start remembering more stuff anyway. So if they done it too, but I have a, a strong feeling that she's still going to be too small for him. And I'm hoping also that it's a one surgery, one and done deal, yeah, not a multi-surgery deal. Right. Cause it can end up being a multi-surgery deal. And I, this is just me talking out of my head. I don't really know, but I, I would feel like if they waited one more year, she would be a little bit bigger and you can make sure everything fits better. Yeah. And when you close it up, it'll be good and closed and only one surgery. I would rather do it that way, even though I don't want her to be three yeah. in a way, and in a way I do. I feel like the bigger she is, the better she'll be for the surgery. Well, surgeries depend on the omphalocele size. So like whenever some babies are born with an omphalocele, depending on the size, they'll have surgery right away. And then others will have surgery after like a week or after a month. But with Emery's being so large they wanted to wait as long as possible but i think she'll be i think she'll be all right as far as the size we'll know in two weeks yeah we'll <laughs> keep you posted we're gonna leave the mothers of infalocele link to that facebook page down below and that way if you have a child with an infalocele or expecting one with an infalocele you can go on there and maybe get some comfort get some answers i hope you enjoyed this podcast i know it was completely out of left field in a way but this is one of the main things that we wanted to touch on so if there's anybody out there like i said that need somebody to talk to, do not hesitate to reach out to me. I will gladly talk to you about it and pray with you about it because you need the support. You really do. It definitely helps when you got some somebody that maybe you don't even know you can talk to like a therapist. I mean, that's that helped her. That helped you out a lot. Therapist? No, 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 no. Being able to talk <laughs> to somebody else, you know, that was experience, has experienced the same thing or was going through the same thing. So I know I would love to go to therapist right now. Go to a therapist. <laughs> I think it would be I'd pay good money to send you to a therapist. I They'd retire. Too. They'd be they could be five years in their career, but they'd retire after talking to you. I don't think so. Oh yeah, for sure. I think I'd spark the memory of why they became a psychologist <laughs> or a therapist. Either if they wasn't an alcoholic, they'd start drinking hard liquor that day. I hope we were able to help somebody in this situation or at least to educate the people that had no idea what an infalocil was. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. I don't want to say enjoy. Redo the ending. Close it out. That was me closing it out. You kept, let's go to the hospital and you need a support system. <laughs> oh, I can't do that. That's Bailey Syrian. I love Bailey Syrian. She's different though. She's different. As far as this week's episode, I didn't mean to say that. I said it. I didn't want to say it, but I said it. <sighs> what are you talking about? Don't worry about it. Just know in my head it was screwed up. Okay. Uh. <sighs> You're disgusting.